right, all right, all right. We got Big Jason in the house. What's going on, sir? Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and let uh, the OG, Albert Greenberg, give his introduction. Well, um, I met Tony, how many years ago? Did you, 10 years ago? Yeah, 2012 in the gym, Club One. Yeah, I was um, was creating a performance work. My wife and I run an arts organization, Black Swan Arts and Media, and Tony, we were interviewing Iraqi and Afghan refugees and American vets. We were doing a piece on the... Uh, 9-11 wars, this uh, very taciturn military guy and his fatigues kept walking around the gym. So <laughs> I figured I'd just say, hey, do you want to be interviewed for this piece? We need to talk to a vet from the Iraq war. And uh, the conversation has continued ever since. Um, although that war stopped, but the others just keep going, don't they? Amen, brother. Preach, yeah. preach. God. <laughs> Well, how about a little background about yourself, Al? Please, thank you. Well, okay, how's this? Albert Lewis Greenberg. I was named after my father's cousin, who was a soldier who was buried at sea in World War II, wow. which makes him more of an American than John Wayne, who got out of the war so he could be a movie star and make racist movies. <laughs> yeah, complete all, all around a-hole, but he was good looking. <laughs> so that's America, and uh, I'm an American. <laughs> Actually, you're Lithuanian, but we won't hold. Me oh no, 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 <laughs> no! Don't, don't. There is some of that, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Now we're going to pass it over to the first of his name, Jason Harris, to give a little intro bio about himself, please, sir. Well, uh, Jason, Jason Harris. Uh, now I feel like I gotta get my whole government now. Jason Lamar Harris, uh, <laughs> originally from Compton, <laughs> from Compton, moved there right before my twenty-first birthday to to the Bay. Stayed there for about ten years because I had a kid. Mom was from there, so stuck it out there. And then uh, once it got a little too expensive, well, not once it got it was always a little too expensive. Once I once I decided I couldn't afford it no more, we uh moved to Charlotte. Well, actually, my wife put a power play, and then I moved to Charlotte. Um, <laughs> been here for about three years. <laughs> um, yeah, been here about three years. Starting to enjoy it. Now it's like 20 degrees outside. Super cold. But, uh, yeah, Merry, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, all that shit. Or whatever. <laughs> whatever, whatever other pagan holidays are just coming up right now. <laughs> I flew through uh, Charlotte. I'm from Virginia. My wife's family's in Virginia on the way home, and I missed my flight. Oh. <laughs> and I had to get another co connecting, but I got another one out of there. And, oh, Lord. What a mess. That was my uh, my time in Charlotte. That's why I'm keeping my brown butt home this year. I went home last year for Christmas and got Omicron. I'm chilling. We really don't want to hear about your brown butt, honestly. <laughs> I, I, that's, that's a picture I do not want to keep in my mind. <laughs> well, to all of y'all out there listening, wherever you are, whatever time zone that you are dwelling in, hailing in, this is the Real Talk Podcast with AJ. I am the Norwood Disciple. The man with three first names, Anthony Douglas, Joseph. The reason I say Norwood, Norwood was the area that I grew up in Birmingham, Alabama, off of North 31st Street, right off of I-20 West. And that, that could be another episode in itself. But once again, this is the Battle of the Basins. We all three of us 
have at one point in time lived in the Bay at the same time, probably ran in maybe some semi-circles. We definitely all were Club One participants. I, didn't, I never did Club One. I never did Club One. Y'all got that di- that special discount. That's for the people with the money. I'm, I'm regular. I thought you did Club One. My bad. I thought FEMA hooked y'all up. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Shit, we had to buy our own water and coffee. Shit, we don't get there. But speaking of Club One, uh, you know, brother, Al, I just I just got an email from them. I forgot they, what's their new name. They're talking about the prices are going. Uh, the club at City Center. Yeah, the club at City Center. So, yeah, yeah. they raised the prices. Yeah, it's so, America. Yeah, so all y'all rich folks gonna have to. That's right. Pay, pay y'all a fair share. We'll be the only ones left. <laughs> what eighty dollars a month or something like that? One thirty-five. God damn. Yeah, I'm sure AOC is happy that the rich folks are paying. So keeps me off the streets. <laughs> I thought that 135 was expensive, and well, it was. I remember when I when I was standing, it was like eighty dollars, and then right they opened up a like a full service Walmart, not uh, 24 hour fitness, the high end, and it was about this. I was like, what is going on here? The one in Warner Creek, they opened that one up. I was like, people pay this much to go to the gym. What is what? What do they do that special? That's like eight uh, one hundred thirty-five dollars. Can I can I just ask that? That's that Cali life, man. It's like they pay for three hundred days of sunshine. I think you told me that. <laughs> <laughs> well, before you came on, brother Jason, uh, Al, and I, we were we were chopping it up for a few minutes, and we were talking about COVID. And uh, oh. I just I just recently got over my second bout of COVID. I was up in Seattle uh, a couple weeks ago. I even went to Lumen Field to watch the Panthers. Can you believe it or not? Spank the Seahawks. I, I actually caught COVID again. This time it wasn't as bad. Luckily, I had something in me, even though my doctor says my antibodies are not strong enough to ward it off. And I just got yeah. boosted. I just got boosted in June, and I took the damn flu shot in October. And um, second time in one calendar year with COVID. Man, I tell you that this. But luckily, this time I was maybe. I was able, not maybe, I was able to, to be more vertical and horizontal. Mm-hmm. Tits, up, tits up on my ass sick for two to three weeks. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, Al was saying that uh, he's he's still down and out dealing with the residuals. Yeah, I mean, vodka tastes terrible. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? But what, do you, but what are you guys' thoughts on this COVID? I mean, uh, I'm going to throw it over to Jason first. I mean, the are you having some experiences with COVID again or RSV or flu, but mainly COVID, I mean, because it just seemed like it's, it could be the new normal. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Jason. I mean, I had it twice. The first time I had it was uh, with August of 2020. That sat me all the way down. Like, it had me concerned. I've had it. The second time I had it was last Christmas. It, it, it wasn't that it's bad. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Um, I kind of got over it within a few days. It was around the time where I got vaccinated. I'm be honest. I probably had it another time or two um, because of the nature of my job. Because I do delivery, so I'm around and merchandising. So I'm around people all the time, and in random places like I'm in Tennessee, South Carolina. I don't. So I may have had it another time. I didn't even know it. And just kind of powered through it. Being that I be I work in the public, I see a lot of people that you know they refuse to do masks, and some people they're just very adamant about doing masks. I remember I was at a place the other day, and the manager, one of his coat work workers, were wearing masks. He asked us, "So where? I mean, why are you doing it?" The manager asked, "Why are you wearing a mask? You know, you ain't got to do that no more." And it's like, <laughs> "Why are you asking him how to protect? Him? Why are you just he decided to protect himself? Was that your concern?" So just it, you see the uh, the different levels 
of uh, protection that people believe. Um, it's not, I mean, believe that they're getting or not getting or something like that. And some people are very adamant about it. You know, living living here is way different from living in California. Everybody's usually on the same page. Here, we have Trump supporters next to Hillary supporters, next to Biden supporters, next to McCain guy. Everybody lives with each other, so you never know who you're going to talk to or see. Um, right, right. I blame Zelensky. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell Zelensky got to do with COVID, Al? Come on. Man. If he had just given Trump the information he wanted on Biden, Biden would have never won and there never would have been COVID. Oh, is that so? Huh? Okay. Right. Yeah. COVID's fake. It's not even a real thing. Oh, so. oh, oh okay. Well, we <laughs> okay. We gonna, just... we gonna jump on a Zelensky, but Al, tell me, tell me about your thoughts about COVID, and uh, is this your second, third time getting it, or what? What number? No, it's my first time. First time? Yeah. I had, wow. you know, I had, both, I had both boosters, and uh, it's, uh, yeah. For I guess that's like. <laughs> that's like a miracle. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, that's like a twenty-five-year-old version. You waited two years. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, well, that's what you get for never seeing people. <laughs> Damn, why'd you wait so long, bro? You just, you just had to stay away from people. Huh? That's what you had yeah, to stay do. away from people. Uh, it's, Are you uh, religious? I highly recommend. Yeah, I, I have my own. Uh, I have my own congregation. Me and myself. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy man. can i get an amen and i never hear amen. anything in the amen. background nobody's amen. ever preach, i can't preach. get amen. Preach, brother. Preach, <laughs> preach 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 for two years so okay so how okay how was the experience really like how was it did it, did it, it was mild away? but it never went it's not gone away it just sticks around it all it is is it, a, a slight fever chills tiredness and then yeah. it would move from being stuffy to being in my chest a little bit and back again but nothing terrible it just won't flip and go away so that's really it yeah um, my first experience was, was if there's such a thing and then but the second time around like i said uh it wasn't as bad i think i cut it off at the head started taking some over-the-counter stuff and uh took a couple of tests at home and went to the VA and, and confirmed it. So I had like three tests within 24 hours that came back positive and they put me on some tax load. That, uh, that Trump uh, needle that he got that saved his life? <laughs> nah, I think it's, that's it's what all you about got. the bleach. Nah. Man. Right. Just take some bleach. You'll be fine. I think every Trump supporter should get bleach. And... But I can tell you, man, these hospitals are definitely cutting back because I was like, okay, so I took two rapid tests. I said, I'm going to go to the VA and get a PCR just to confirm, man. And these jokers, they gave me a rapid test. <laughs> so, yeah, they're not, they're, not, they're not getting paid no more. They're not getting paid as much as they did. So they just like, yeah, whatever. My doctor has COVID. Wow. When I got, when Helen, my my wife was in, uh, got in a car accident. I had to get these medications for her. And I went, this is several months ago, but still. And I go to Kaiser and it's packed and there's a line all the way around building and i finally get up there and she tells me that uh the other pharmacy everybody had gotten covid and so they had to close down the pharmacy and pass everybody over i mean it's a mess it's a real mess yes yeah, so, and now all these flights are canceled with the snows and the yeah. bomb cyclone i love that isn't that what it is a bomb cyclone yeah they, they be coming up with some crazy stuff i never <laughs> really yeah. 
I thought a cyclone was dangerous enough. Now, now it can explode. Okay. <laughs> okay. But we, but we all know COVID uh, is well politicized. Continues to be politicized since since its uh, inception. And uh, I think people, like I said before, just gonna treat it like the new normal. Treat it like the flu. Even the isolation periods cut now. Well, I think it's what five days now. Right. Well, they're saying every every version I've heard is more virulent than not endemic. So, yeah, it, you can catch it easier, but it won't kill you. I think that's what's happening. But it's yeah. a it's a very it's an mRNA it's an mRNA disease. So it it replicates a lot, and apparently it replicates like ten times faster than than the flu. And the flu, we'll see how it goes. We'll see. It's, it's, yeah, it's just it's just so much shit out there, man. It's like this shit will never go away. You know what I'm saying? So. All we all we can do is keep chugging along. See, that's the thing. But the unintended consequence is like, okay, you got these cities that are switching to uh, multifamily uh, uses. I remember, I remember, like in Charlotte, they were not they're not giving any permits for single family anymore. They're doing only multifamily, mm-hmm. which is you got all these diseases that's coming up, and what is in multifamily is easier to contract mm-hmm. and spread faster. So, right, that 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 could be a, a, another unintended consequence. Mm-hmm. Which was which, which? What you're trying to say is that it's going to affect minorities a lot more. My my, I mean, you can't even say that these gentry- You see what in San Francisco? They bought them, got them, them high rises. Yeah, those are that's multifamily housing. Oh, you know okay. what I'm saying? Atlanta, okay. Vegas, even the gentrifier is going to get it too. Because again, they can't afford. They got to get a con. They going to get a condo instead of getting a house. You can't buy it. They can't afford the house. Mm-hmm. So they going to get it too. Yeah, so, that's, that's true. That's that's a great point. Yeah, we just gonna have to battle it out, man. Deal with this shit. But I want everybody out there protect your, protect yourself. Get back. Wear a mask. Isolate. Do what you gotta do. But be safe and don't bring in the new year like I did on your back. You fighting the virus. So we are gonna transition here on the Real Talk podcast with AJ. We are gonna jump into some politics. Brother Al already brought him up. The Z man. So I want to get brothers. Al's thoughts on President Zelensky of Ukraine showing up to the White House in, in his battle uniform and giving that speech to Congress in English. God, that that was awesome. So yeah, it was. He was amazing. Yeah, go ahead, Brother Al. Well, you know, it's like when they uh, they elected Obama here because everything had gone into the shitter. Mm-hmm. Give it to the black guy. <laughs> Same mm-hmm. in Ukraine. Everything yeah. was in the shitter. Give it to the Jew, you know. Mm-hmm. It goes wrong. Blame him. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> that's what they did here, right? The whole economy was the world economy was in the tank. They so Bush so f- screwed up the entire world economy. Oh, better give it to the black guy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we'll blame him. <laughs> now they're doing it again. So I don't know. It's he's amazing though. He's a he's, you know, he didn't run, did he? No, he did not. And uh, that speech was awesome, man. That he gave before the joint session. I mean, most foreign leaders even though they're fluent and very competent in English, will still give it in their native language in case their people back home are listening. However, he did not do that, which triple impressed me, if there's such a phrase. And uh, I thought by him showing up in his battle uniform, I'm like, man, this dude really kicks some ass. You know what I mean? It's like he he's staying true. You know, he, he didn't come there in a suit. He stayed with his boots on. He stayed with his suit on. And uh, he, he let the world know, you know, what time it is. And... Uh, I feel like Putin's looking like an asshole now because Putin, he can't even leave his country. And here's Zelensky's traveling around the world all the way to the United States. And someone asked him, hey, what kind of message are you trying to send to Putin? 
And he said he's not trying to send a message, but I just think by his presence in the White House and in Congress was 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 a message enough and more power to him and Slava Ukraine. Over to you, brother Jason. So the two questions. First question is, um, as a soldier, you're in the middle of a war and your president leaves and talking to another country. How are you feeling about it? Well, as a soldier, I would say, first of all, I, I would commend him because he, at the beginning of the war, he was told to leave and set up an exile government, which he didn't do. Okay. He, he knows the U.S. is the piggy bank. We all know the U.S. is the piggy bank. So it's been 300 days, so he's got to come visit the piggy bank, if that makes sense. But and, you don't want him on the ground with y'all, supporting behind y'all, you know what I'm saying? Well, he was just he's there. Over here. He, he was just there. Prior to coming here, I, I would hazard a guess that he's already back there. I don't think he's still. Okay. In the, I don't think he's still in the U.S. chilling. No, he did yeah. not. He went yeah. right back. Yeah, and that's what that's what leaders do. I mean, for him to travel and put his life in jeopardy because there, I'm sure there's a contract out on his head from the oligarchs, and I'm fairly certain that his security is so tight. Oh yeah, super tight. And, and his whereabouts are so tight that you would have to be the, the, the most ninjas of ninjas to, to get up on him. And just by the simple fact that he is able to travel all the way to the United States and go back. And like I said, he didn't put on a suit. You know, he didn't come in here looking like, right. hey, shit's cool, everything normal, so I'm a fake the funk. I'm in the White House, so I need to put on a uh, Armani suit, what have you. He came in there keeping it real. I gained a whole lot of respect. The other question, so what does that say the other part of it is, what does that say about the Russia that he, their the, the mind of Russia, where he's like, I got time. You ain't really about shit. I'm about to go over here, chill for a second, get some more money, come right back. You mean, what does that say about Russia? Does it just say that they're just not? Well, it just says they're weak as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I was, you know, I was, I was trying to go there with it, but yeah, that meaning they just we like, you know, all bark. But they're, I mean, they're still superpower. They're still superpower. But yeah. what does that really mean? If if the, your enemy has time to leave, go fly on a plane for twenty some hours, do a speech, come back, and and not miss a beat. Well, there's an old joke out there, a military joke, and maybe Al knows it. But I'm gonna throw this question out there. You know, you know the name of the greatest Russian general in history. The Russian what? The greatest. The name of the great greatest Russian general in history. Anybody know? Al General, no. general Winter. Yeah. General Winter. <laughs> oh, <boy>. <laughs> oh <laughs> God, yeah. <laughs> because the winter saved him from Napoleon. The winter saved him from Hitler. Uh, that's what the Russians. That's that's what they Russians do. I mean, anytime they yeah. know tactically and tech, technological wise that they can't beat you, it becomes a numbers game. It's attrition, and they and, and they're gonna bog you down with. They could just throw sheer numbers at you, and hopefully, old man Winter will come in and save their ass. Yeah. Uh, so, did you see what Tucker Carlson said about Zelensky? Oh, what did he say? Oh my goodness! He said no one's ever addressed the United States Congress in a sweatshirt before. He seen, <laughs> he slammed uh, Zelensky as that he looked like a strip club manager, <laughs> whose presence was humiliating to the greatest country. Oh, that is that is so gangster. And then Don Jr. called him a welfare queen. Oh my god. Aye, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, it doesn't end. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, they're, they're, they're just so narrow-minded. They can't see the forest through the trees. Anything. They're not narrow-minded. They're hateful. They oh, know exactly true. what they want. They want a, they want an autocratic regime. That's so right. at this point, what is, okay, and this is, and I, I, we've talked about this before. I think me and you talked about this before. 
what is the United? I mean, we give him money. But other than that, him going and addressing Congress, that mean that we're going to start sending troops now? No. No, no way. No way. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. Then what, what the heck? That's what I'm like. So what's the point? If, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, I just need more money to buy. It. Okay. Well, like, right. I said, well, like I said, it's, it's a strategic global message that he's able to leave his country where Putin cannot leave his country because Putin knows he'll be more likely arrested for war crimes. Right. Well, it's more than that, you know? Mm-hmm. When World War II, they let the bastard take Poland. Mm-hmm. They, let him, they let him march. Mm-hmm. And that didn't, you don't assuage these people that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the weakness is the strength is the only thing. And we can't play the game of pretending that it'll all just go away. Or if he just gets Ukraine, it'll stop. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, uh, you know, he's got, he's getting arms from, Iran, he's getting arms from North Korea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, uh, it's more than money. And if we don't stop them, the money will be, if you think it's expensive now, mm-hmm. just wait, just oh, wait. Oh, then, yeah. it, then it gets expensive. And then it is American lives. Because I'm looking at it, because um, I thought it was interesting because when they first invaded, they said they wanted to leave the infrastructure in place so they weren't bombing certain things. And then it escalates now to about, well, not now, but. I know they bombed some oil reserves. They bombed power stations, making them freeze to death. Right. Yep. It's what Zelensky Quick. said. They're writing can. They're lighting Christmas candles for Christmas, but they're also lighting because they have no power. Right. And uh, it's brutal. You still think that Ukraine can survive? Yeah. Like you said, the winter. I mean. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. they have to. And they're tough people. They're tough people. Yeah. Believe me. But if your people don't have electricity, again, there is there is a reason why when 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 you go to war, where do you you try to cut off the supply lines, cut off the resources? Mm-hmm. There's something to them bombing, you know, re- early resisting the like, the power station, things like that, and all of a sudden going straight to those. Now you're cutting off resources, right. and politically, I mean, you may not, you could probably hold them off, you know, because it's war. But politically, it's gonna get. Interesting because again, you got old ladies dying, children dying, freezing to death, things like that. And sometimes it's what you—the battle is not only with your enemy; it's within yourself. Right. So that's what I mean. Why you think they can hold off? Because it's—I it. think it's like the Vietnamese held off us. They—we killed three million of them. Mm-hmm. We torched right. the country. We poisoned them with uh, napalm and deformed. They still have deformed children being born. Right. But they're going to not. You know, protect themselves. I mean, if we were attacked, there's no way that people would not defend the place if it was a real war for a real reason. Roger, right? Roger. So you know, I think it's a it's a fool's game. But we don't. Nobody can predict the future. All we can do is live in the moment, and then the moment says that these people are brave and they deserve our. If if he was a corrupt leader, you know, it would it would be completely different. Right. Yeah. You know, if they were just a bunch of like one more narco regime or a Middle Eastern country that you can't figure out how to help them because they're so corrupt, right. that would be different. I mean, they got I, what I saw a beauty pageant winners went in there. They had Olympic people not going. There were some people refused to go to the Olympics to go go to this war. They're, they're everybody is fully committed. Hmm. All in, holding off Russia. Like this is the they're holding off Russia. Yeah, Russia. Putin. Russia. 
<laughs> and we're gonna we're gonna see Russia get brought to his knees eventually. I do believe that this shit's gonna be over, and I think Ukraine. I, I'm hoping and praying that all of Ukraine is liberated from the Crimea to the Donbass. You know, get those fuckers out of there, and you know. You know, the military, me, I used to read a lot of books, and I remember Patton saying in World War II, we just need to keep going on to Moscow. You know, you look back 70-some years later, he might be right, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Same know, with North Korea. Yeah, you know, uh, people don't know behind the scenes, that was like one of the reasons MacArthur got fired, because he wanted to bomb China during the Korean War, and him and Truman supposedly went at it. I mean... Those leaders, they had the foresight to, to, to see the bigger picture and know that people who are used to oppressing others will never be satisfied, will never be happy. And it just takes time for that evil shit to just keep resurfacing over and over mm. and over again. And uh, war is painful, man. Uh, I've been in it myself a few times. and It's hard to have selective bombing targets and don't bomb here, don't shoot there. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to win hearts and minds when you're trying to break the will of the people, if that makes sense. Right. And uh, you can't come in as a foreign power. Exactly. You just can't. And that's what Putin's doing now. Yeah. Like he did in Afghanistan. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. We did in Afghanistan. (laughs) (laughs) But everybody's doing in Afghanistan. What a mess. Well, speaking about Putin, so what do you guys thought on the the Brittany Griner trade? Brittany Griner for the. Victor Boot, the merchant of death, uh, give Brother Al's comments kick off this conversation. Well, the Israelis did that all the time. Mm-hmm. They'll give up 100 guys for one. Mm-hmm. I think it's, you know, when there's one Victor Boot, there'll be 100. That's true. So on that level, the guy served a long time. He's probably going to go out and be a poison again. But mm-hmm. she's back. Right. And, and uh, you know, there's always that thing. If you just, you know, he's not going to be the end of it. He's not the end of the arms trade. Exactly. So I think it's, thank God she's back. The kid didn't deserve it at all. It's just crazy. Well, I'm going to tell you, uh, it took me a long time to learn. I heard this saying, and I'm going to toss it over to first of his name. It's like, you know, when you have a good negotiation, when both sides feel like they got screwed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So... I mean, I'm not saying that we got screwed by getting Brittany back or they got screwed, but that's the, you know, quote unquote, art of the deal. And, uh, yeah. you know, sometimes that's that's where the cookies and crumble and crumbs fall. So what are your thoughts there, Jason, on the trade? On, some, on one level, it's like, okay, I see how it's, 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 it's one of the things where no matter what, this country will reveal how they really feel about you mm-hmm. when things go down. Uh, to hear the vitriol from some people um, about this trade, interesting. At the same time, some of the people defending her, defending them trading, mm-hmm. has is been interesting because it's like, okay, think about a basketball mm-hmm. player for somebody that is going to arm Russia against the war in Ukraine. And, hmm, hmm. What is what is the value? What's the life? It's one of them, like those questions: Would you kill a million people? Just, would you kill? one child to save a million people. What what is it really worth? What did what what did bringing her back really solve? Mm-hmm. Other than it was a political win. Right. So but then it's like you saved a six, seven tall black les male presenting black lesbian that is semi they, they said call her not unpatriotic. And she's not Christian. So 
you got the Christian saying you give you know you give this merchant of death for somebody who's not Christian. She's lesbian. She's an abomination. All those things. And that's why I said it's interesting is how the country they just show you how they really feel. They really feel like you know we're not Americans or not worth it as a black person. That's what I mean. And that's what that's some of the interpretation I got. I try not to look at it like that sometimes, but when it's blatant. It's blatant. We're in a very difficult time with these people, you know, yeah, right. the entire state of Wyoming, you know, they reject Liz Cheney. Mm-hmm. You couldn't get a more conservative <laughs> yeah, politician. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. it's scary. You know, Republicans got more votes mm-hmm. than Democrats did. And, uh, you know, I was hearing if, if I'm changing the subject, it's part of the same thing. If they had gotten their election scheme going, their elector scheme just to throw the votes back to the House of Representatives, to throw enough doubt, then it would have been one vote for state and the Republicans would have stolen the election. Right. Right. Right? And that's what they were trying to do. And they're not going away. There's, what, 30 of these guys were involved involved in this? Yeah. If they don't go after some of these clowns, it's really, uh, it's very tough. You know, they tell us exactly who they are and they tell us exactly. It's like they treat life like a football game. I'll tear your heart out if I can get away with it. There'd better be a ref there to stop me. Wow, that's an awesome analogy. Right? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not even 40 yet. I'm, I'm about to be 42. I just got to just, just ask a question because and I try to see what the difference between the generations. Um, I think there's a lot of things that were happening now. Um, that were happening then. It's just that we have social media now. Is this any different than it was like in the eighties? Well, I'll tell you about the sixties. I'll tell you about the sixties. Mm-hmm. Okay, nineteen sixty-eight, which was the height of the civil rights and the anti-war protests. Hundred thousand mm-hmm. people in the streets. Mm-hmm. The majority of white European Americans. I was at the University of Illinois, Champaign Urbana. Mm-hmm. It's the home of homecoming, 30,000 students. Mm-hmm. They lived in, in a fraternity, more fraternities and sororities than anywhere in the country. They lived in their plantation-style fraternity houses. Mm-hmm. They had their deferments. They liked the sex. They didn't take drugs, but they got drunk a lot. They didn't care about the war in Vietnam. They didn't care about civil rights. They were on the golf team and on the tennis team. And they were engineering students and they would go work for the oil companies and they'd go work for agribusiness and destroy small family farms. And they Mm -hmm. would work for the Pentagon and they were the ones who were voting for Nixon and they're the ones that voted for Reagan and they're the ones that shifted this country completely right. So there's this, the media gives this image that everybody was against the war and all the rest, but it's just not true. And everybody, civil rights, that we had 300 blacks on campus at the University of Illinois. You're talking about the city of Chicago. East what? St. Louis, that's right, in Illinois, right? Mm-hmm. Illinois, sh- sh- East St. Louis had a big black community. Champaign-Urbana had, Champaign had a big black community. 300 mm-hmm. blacks on campus. So we started a big 500 program to bring 500 more black kids. To get it to 500? To get 500. Like it would do like 0.3% of the whole population of the school? Right. Okay. And that, that became a big deal. So, and like the civil rights movement, trying to get blacks to vote, simple thing, drink at a water fountain. Meanwhile, Nixon was purging the Supreme Court of all the liberals. 
He got the FBI on them, on uh, what was his name? Now, one of the, anyway, they purged the court and they started this right-wing march of the Supreme Court and how they took over the country. So, you know, no, we knew less about it then. Mm -hmm. uh, knew less about how complicated it was. We knew that uh, Jim Crow was brutal, but the levels on class levels, how much mm -hmm. of it was tied into, you know, you look at, there's a book on, on Mayor Daley uh, and how he took hundreds of millions of dollars from the federal government to build mm -hmm. housing for blacks, which you put on the south side of Chicago, where they had these high rises, where they had no supermarkets where they had no the children had no access to playgrounds no access to health care <laughs> but here's the thing at the same time in evanston that's where all your episcopalians and presbyterians were and they had all the little things in their more you couldn't sell your home to blacks or jews we don't know anything about them we know nothing yeah. about them. we don't know nothing about them in chicago in New York, in Boston. So they're still they're still the hidden majority, the upper class, the upper the wealthy. And we still pay the price for that. You know? It's just when I watch when I watch the news and they say that, you know, you watch the funders and they say this is the worst it's ever been or this is the first time we've ever seen it. And then I'll watch the documentary and then be like, but it happened in the sixties. But that happened in the seventies. Oh yeah. It happened in the eighties. You know, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, sorry to inter interrupt you, sir, but just to interject. So you asked me about the 80s. So in the 80s, I was, yeah. still, a kid. I was still a kid. <laughs> Not that old. I'm getting up there. But I will tell you from my perspective, Jason, when I was growing up in, in the South in my early days in military and in the government after the military, racism was a little bit more covert. Now it's more overt. It's out in the yeah. open. And I can tell you that's one of the main reasons why I stopped working for the government last year. I was I had a good assignment received. Yeah, the work was burning me out. But I can tell you, man, when Trump came in office in 17, I didn't think he was going to get as bad as it did. And politics, racism, bigotry, code words, homophobia, mm. all that stuff is permeating now throughout the federal government and in the military ranks. As you know, we had, I think it was a lieutenant colonels, a couple of the officers stormed the Capitol, police officers stormed the Capitol. So folks who are definitely more overt now, definitely more out in the open, they are emboldened mm. to speak how they really feel. They are emboldened to act how they really feel. And, uh, if there is such thing as a closet bigot, closet racist, I mean, I've definitely experienced it my last couple of years working overseas mm. for, the, for, the, for the Army. And uh, I just feel like leaders now, they're more managers than our leaders. Mm. I feel like people who were hesitant to act a certain way or to say certain things, 2017, man, it brought them out. Now it's in your face. And yeah. uh, you have to be hyper-vigilant about it. You can't allow, like Al said, we can't allow these folks to come into power mm. to to take away our rights, our freedoms, our abilities to prosper. And yeah, it's, it's shocking in my lifetime. It, it seems like I went from one extreme. I went from having Obama, a black man, to be elected in my lifetime to seeing this country mm -hmm. flipped upside down, you know, on its head. It's like, you hate to say it, but it's kind of like Obama didn't even get elected because we didn't progress. And you know what? And it's kind of funny because I remember old bitch McConnell saying, <laughs> saying Moscow, wow. Mitch, Moscow Mitch saying America paid for his, its sins of racism by electing 
of Barack Obama. And that, and now that I think about that phrase, that's a code phrase. It's kind of mm-hmm. like, okay, like Al said, country went to shit, give it to the black guy, give it to the Jew, give it to the minority. And right. I kind of, and I kind of feel like people's, you know, thinking, well, okay, we gave you, we gave you guys one. And now we're going to really show our ass. Well, I think they are afraid. I mean, in the past, they really did have the power. In the 80s, that was mm-hmm. Reagan's time, right? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, they had all the codicils in, in more, you know, they had from the time of FDR when he had the New Deal, right? The only the way he passed it was making sure that mortgages would, would not go to blacks in white suburbs mm-hmm. where they where you could build a house and then get a loan from a bank and start a business or pay for your kid to go to college, right? Because you had the collateral. Blacks could not do that. They did not allow them to do that. And so, we, you know, and we still got to pull our, we got to pull ourselves from our bootstraps. Sorry about that. <laughs> like the, yeah, bootstraps. We got we to find the boot, find the shoestring, put the right. boot together, and they already got the boot on. And we got to pull, our, our, pull up our bootstrap. They own the uh, factory where the boots are. <laughs> right. <laughs> I just always whenever I hear like you really as a black person to hear somebody like acknowledge that it's like because you watch Fox News or you just have a conversation with somebody and they'll say some wild shit and you'd be like oh so you don't even know the depth of this oh okay you don't understand why you live over there and I live over here or why I couldn't live over there you know things like that and all you know yeah Look at the military. Look what happened on on January 6th. The FBI knew that these guys were coming. Mm-hmm. Pentagon knew they were coming. Mm-hmm. They knew they were coming. Mm-hmm. And they Someone didn't wanted deploy in the, any troops. And we know that the somehow the Secret Service decided to clean their text messages. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right? Because uh, they were just cleaning them up and lost everything from January 6th and 5th and so no, it's who knows what's going to going to happen with the Pentagon, with that kind of fascist movements that are deeply embedded. But no, at no other time in America, in your lifetime, saying has it been this the, the tension been this feverish? Because they controlled it all before. Now there's this opportunity for blacks and others to actually take part in the society in a really full way. Mm-hmm. And they're going nuts. Before they were on all the boards, they did run all the companies. They had, mm-hmm. they did have their neighborhoods locked down. Mm-hmm. They, you know, you couldn't get into them. You couldn't get into their schools. You mm-hmm. couldn't, you know, they had it all. You could join the military. You just couldn't be a, a major officer, right? You couldn't become, right. you know. So all of those things are now shifting, and they're pissed. It's like uh, the world coming into an end for them. Ninety-four percent of rural America is owned by white Protestants. Right. Ninety-four percent. Try to live there. Try to be around those people. For any like, you know, it's not safe. It ain't safe. They're very dangerous folks, and I don't know how you change that. No. This, this is true. This is true. Good, good comments. I really appreciate it. every time Al speaks. Man, he's like remember that old commercial. What was it when Merlin's talk? People listen. Is that the couple? <laughs> <laughs> They're scared. Did you see the show Yellowstone? You ever watch it? I, I watch it all the time. I told you. I told you to go watch eighteen twenty three, the prequel. Okay, think about oh. this. Think about mm-hmm. those people, man. There's only one thing they have one value: winning. Yeah. All of them. 
It isn't a fiction. And when you look at that, you know, these are good looking people and they make them look like they're sexy and all with through all of their stuff. But in the end, there's something about what happened in the West to me when I look at that, you know, on the East Coast, the early settlers for all the things they did wrong, plenty. They still started creating structures of laws of, yes. of townships and and there the, they did create a constitution and laws and all the rest of it. These clowns that went out into the rural areas, schools and judges and rule of law, that was all secondary to their power. And they tell us that every day. And it's in every flipping piece of movies and route that we see. And if, I don't know when, just to say the Godfather the real godfather you want to know what what those fucking guys were saying about black people when they were selling drugs into into the ghettos you think who gives a shit that they shot each other you know a real story about these bastards which shows what they did to people's lives to get the wealth that they had mm-hmm. you know we never see that you know all this crap about de niro and and brando and pacino what were these motherfuckers Excuse me. What would they do? <laughs> no, speak your mind, sir. Speak your mind. Well, it's really, I mean, to, to just, you know, there's the 49ers singing Joey Montana. Uh-huh. And that's, those bastards were so racist in the real world mm-hmm. and causing absolute havoc in, in minority black communities, Latino communities, you know, destroying people's lives for their wealth. And we, we treat it as entertainment. Chavez Ravine to go to Dodger Stadium. Oh, Destroy the whole yeah. neighborhood. Oh, yeah. Like, when I see the pictures of it, it's like, what? What was that again? What about Chavez Ravine? Well, they, they bulldozed that neighborhood, the whole neighborhood, for the Dodger Stadium. Oh. It's just uh-huh. everywhere. Well, for wealth. It's when they built the Bard in Oakland. Same thing. Tore up the black neighborhood. Oh, yeah. No doubt. They got to move us out to build up. Well, because I, I remember before I left, I did a thing where they basically the black people were only regulated to West Oakland, and then mm-hmm. they started getting into East Oakland. They had to go move. Then they moved everybody out of West Oakland, right? Because they were building the, the, the freeway. It's like, so I'm over here. Y'all don't want me here. Now you want me over there. All these other things you, get, you got us moving all around. We're already slaves. We've done this. We've done that. We're starting to survive. It just makes it harder. My bad, sorry, I had a moment. Had a moment. No, no, no. <laughs> this is what keeps the real talk with AJ podcast going to real moments. We're going to transition to our closing here. Brother Jason, you kick us off with some closing comments, holiday message. If you want to drop some knowledge about Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, floor is yours, sir. I would say Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, all that stuff. Jack Ryan's out. Watch that. Um, Jack Ryan and the out. Watch that. Nah, that's my shit, man. Oh, that's uh, that's my shit. Nah, there's there's a few shows where I'm like, when it comes, I stop everything. Uh-huh. Uh, Game of Thrones was that. Shameless was that for like for a minute. Oh, uh, but this this show because it comes out like every it, it don't come out very often. So when I, I put the bad signal out, so I've been watching it all day today. So I'm on like the third or fourth episode right now. So, yeah, watch that. Stay safe. Stay cool. You know, stay warm. It's cold out there. Yeah. Okay, I appreciate it, sir. Over to you, Brother Al. What would you like me to say? 
Actually, I've been liking Yellowstone. I like it. It's really fun to watch. I'm I'm thinking by the end of it, there won't be any people left in Montana. Here's the thing about like okay, so he tells me he ain't never watched Yellowstone. I, He's this? the one that told me to watch Yellowstone. Who's this? What are you talking about? Chuck. Joseph. He's the one that told me to watch it. When I was staying with him, when I was staying with him, she was like, we were sitting there watching. She's like, yeah, this is a wild show, man. It's about this family. You should try watching it. And I was like, okay. And I ain't watching. I was like, man, I tried to watch it. I was like, this shit is too slow. I'm not watching this shit. And then I remember I was at a hotel and I got bored and it came on. And I was like, oh my God, this show is amazing. It, it, it was like, you know, it started, and it started to get fast. I watched, I think I watched two seasons in like, a couple weeks okay. um, with that show. I think I'm like two episodes back. Um, they just came back. From, I, I don't know where you guys are on the show, but you said you have, again, he the one that got me watching, but he said he ain't, he ain't never watched it. I never watched I watched the prequel, 1823 with Sam Elliott. Yeah, 1883, yeah. I, I haven't watched that yet. Yeah, I haven't watched that I yet. Watched. That's and then they probably come, come out with the other one, 1923, which I guess is the next generation. So we'll see how okay. that goes. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to check it out. I appreciate that. I, I didn't mean to pressure you there, Brother Jason. <laughs> I was like, he's the one that told me to watch that show. I don't understand why he's saying that. He's the one that told me. Okay. All right, you I'm going to go watch it crazy. now, man. I, 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 that's gonna, I'm going to put that on my New Year's list. I'm going to check it out. I'm trying to finish up. I just finished up American Gigolo. I need to finish that city on the hill. I haven't gotten got got to that yet. I haven't gotten that one yet. How is that one? We digress on the battle. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're right. My bad. We, my bad. You're right. You're right. My bad. I'm sorry. Had a moment. Kick over to Brother Al for some closing comments, some, some Christmas cheer, Hanukkah cheer, Kwanzaa cheer, whatever nuggets you want to drop on us, sir. I have no nuggets, but it's really nice talking to you, Tony. I like. I really appreciate it. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah. And uh, it helps, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it, does. it is. I tell people all the time it's carthetic and it's uh, therapeutic. So I hope I'm not using some some $50 words for a dollar conversation. But uh, <laughs> but uh, I just want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, and a Happy 2023. I know we spoke a few minutes ago about BG being home. I'm glad she's home for the holiday season. I would just say I hope people especially Americans don't try to use the BGS experience as a get out of free jail car by going into foreign countries and, and breaking the law because uh, you might not be so lucky. Just keep that in mind. But once again, I, I'm happy that she's home. I look forward to her back on the basketball court. It's been a real pleasure talking to you brothers. Like I said, we're all Bay area alumni. Some of us are still Bay area natives. Uh, I wish everybody a safe weekend. Uh, E.T. Mary, watch all these games that's coming on, ringing the New Year safe, and just remember, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. And the best, <laughs> and the best ability available. It's available. There you go. This is the Norwood Disciple, AJ's Real Talk with the podcast. AJ signing off. Y'all have a great weekend. Peace. Yeah.